Welcome to Season 2 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 85, which represents Day 2 of our Countdown to Christmas, is entitled The Temptations of Christ. Christ was only on earth a short time. We have only slight information about his youth. His ministry lasted only about three years, yet he changed the world forever. He is the epic hero of all heroes. He was larger than life, whose every word counted, every action recorded and imitated. What event would you pick as the most important? His birth, his baptism, his parables, his miracles, the cleansing of the temple, the Garden of Gethsemane, the cross of Calvary, the garden tomb? A better question would be, Which one could you do without? The answer is none. He was in charge of every moment of his life. There is one moment, however, that some of us are too prone to bypass or overlook as insignificant. However, for us, if it had not occurred, the atonement could not have been possible. That event occurred just before his ministry began, but immediately after his baptism by John in the River Jordan. It was his experience alone in the wilderness where he endured the temptations of Satan. Had he not passed that test, he could not have saved us. He would have been in need of a Savior himself. There was no plan B. Had Christ failed, not only would he have fallen under the power of Satan, but the entire world would have remained in a fallen state forever, without hope, without redemption, without a resurrection, and without mercy. In this podcast, We would like to examine the temptations of Christ in the wilderness and their significance to us. Okay, Linda, using Matthew and Luke as our authority, let's examine the temptations of Christ one at a time. Where should we begin? At the beginning, of course. In Matthew chapter 4, we read, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. Matthew 4, 1 through 2. Luke's version is only slightly different. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Luke 4, 1. Let's take our first cue from Luke. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. To understand what that means, we need to go back to Jordan and witness Jesus' baptism. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water, And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 3, 13-17 So that explains the phrase, being full of the Holy Ghost. This represents one of the great paradoxes of Christ. Before coming to earth, Christ was God. He was the God of the Old Testament. He was Jehovah. He gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet here he is being baptized of John. 
The purpose of baptism is to wash away our sins, yet Christ had no sins. Even John appeared puzzled. I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Christ explained the reason to John, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Christ is the perfect model. Luke gives us further insight. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Luke 3.16 It appears then that Christ, like us, is learning as he goes, and just like us, he also had a veil drawn over his mind when he was born in a stable in Bethlehem. Luke explains, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Luke 2.40 And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. Luke 2.52 By being born to a mortal mother, Christ placed himself into a very vulnerable position. He was human and had to experience all the things that we experience. That is the only way that he could suffer our sicknesses and our weaknesses. That's the only way he could have empathy for our sins and our trials and our tribulations. That is the condescension of God to make himself vulnerable even to the temptations of the flesh. Luke also adds, being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended he afterward hungered. Luke 4, 2. So, to add to his vulnerability to temptation, Christ is extremely hungry and physically weak. For some Christians, it may be difficult to grasp that Christ was really tempted. The temptations were real, not just abstractions of an intellectual nature. He suffered everything we suffered. He suffered our sicknesses. He suffered our pains. He suffered our temptations. He suffered our trials. That is why he has such empathy for us. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had a mortal body. Therefore, he had all the same temptations we have. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he afterward and hungered. Matthew 4, 2. Can you imagine how hungry and tired and weak he was? It was just at that moment when he was the most vulnerable that Satan came to tempt him. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Matthew 4, 3. Christ had the power to perform such a miracle. He would later miraculously feed the 5,000. He turned water to wine. Turning the stones to bread would have been as easy as a parter trick. Why then would it have been a sin if feeding the 5,000 from a few loaves and fishes was no sin, or turning the water to wine was no sin? Christ gives us the answer. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4 4. I'm not sure I follow. For me, this is one of the great teachings of Christ. First of all, Christ is teaching us that we must subordinate the body to the spirit, even in extreme circumstances. It would have been so easy to justify turning the stones to bread but he perceived the dangers of allowing the physical body to govern the spirit. That was the real victory. Temptation can only be overcome by following the spirit. Only the spirit has free will, not the body. 
At that moment, nothing could have been more important than bread and water after fasting 40 days in a hot desert. Christ, of course, had to eat or he would die. But first, he considered all the teachings of his father. It was that philosophy that governed all of his decisions. And it was because he followed that philosophy his entire life that he never sinned. The reason he remained perfect is because in every instance of temptation, he first considered every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Christ set the tone for every decision he would ever make. He satisfied the law of justice only because he followed the commandments of his Father perfectly. Christ teaches us that the spiritual man should take precedence over the natural man. One of Satan's greatest tools is to appeal to the natural man. Think of the seven deadly sins, lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy and pride, they are all given in to the natural man. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Luke 4, 5-8 through Satan could not tempt Jesus with the things of the flesh, therefore he changed his tactics. He offered him all the wealth and power and glory that the earth had to offer. Probably two of the greatest temptations of man are the lust for power and for money. Think of the wars, the tragedies, the murders, the evil, the crimes, the lengths that some go to to gain power and money. Satan placed them all at Christ's feet. All he required in return was Christ's soul. Here is the subtlety of that temptation. Satan didn't have the power to give it to Christ. Christ, after all, was the creator of the world. However, Christ did have the power to become king of the earth. He could have had all that Satan promised by his own hand. It would have been easy. But again, Christ puts the teachings of his father first. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Luke 4, 5-8 through The secret to Christ's success is that he always put his Father first. He looked beyond the desires of the flesh and subordinated his will to the will of his Father. Satan was never able to deceive Christ because Christ always kept his eye on his mission. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Luke 4, 9-12 First, Satan tried to appeal to the flesh or to the natural man but he failed. Second, Satan tried to appeal to man's desire for power and wealth, but he failed. Notice that each temptation is greater than the one before. Third, he is appealing to vanity. Notice that the temptations represent classes rather than just specific temptations. The first temptation appeals to all the appetites of the natural man. The second temptation appeals to man's desire for power and money, no matter what form that may take. The third temptation appeals to man's vanity, regardless of the form that takes. 
All three temptations focus on the man rather than on God. Therefore, in all three instances, Christ uses the same tool to defeat Satan. Christ focuses not upon himself, but upon his Father. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Temptations vary in details, but fall under the above general classes, yet Christ's answer was always the same. 1. Live by every word of God. 2. Worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. 3. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. As Christ obeyed the laws of the Father in all of his moral decisions, may we find the strength to obey the laws of Christ in all of our moral decisions. May we keep Christ in our hearts this Christmas as we celebrate his birth. May we keep Christ in our lives every day as we honor his death. Merry Merry Christmas Christmas to to all all of you. you. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.